Well, good morning. It's good to be with you guys. My name is Nate Fox, and I'm one of the pastors here on staff. And I want to welcome all of you who are new here. If this is your first time, thanks for joining us. We have a new here area in our lobby, and we have a gift for you. So please stop after the service and talk to one of us. We'd love to meet you. Also, we have Facebook Live members joining us online, so thank you for joining us as well. We're glad you are here. Uh, In just a few weeks ago, um, I decided that I needed to do some inventory, some cleaning in my house, and uh, I I got started looking at the fridge, you know, post-Christmas. And I was like, something has to be done. It's got, <laughs> it's got to get cleaned out. We're, uh, we're, we've stockpiled a bunch of stuff. And so you're clean, cleaning stuff out, you know, stuff that's got green and blue on it. And you're like, should I save it for wings later? Or should I get rid of it? And so uh, I'm making all these really, really smart decisions, cleaning out the fridge. And then we got three bottles of mustard why do we have three bottles of mustard? I mean, we're a family of seven. It takes us literally two years to get through an entire bottle of mustard, and we have three. And the reason why we have three bottles of mustard is because whenever you want mustard, you can't find it. So somehow, some way, someone goes out and buys another bottle of mustard. And you're all like, man, you guys really should manage your groceries better. So don't judge me. Um, I think, <laughs> I love cleaning the fridge, though. It's one of my favorite things. It just feels cathartic. And I moved on to the pantry, um, and in the pantry, I've got my three different cans, like brands of green beans, canned green beans. Is it weird that I like canned green beans? Yes. More judgment. Okay. Um, I like can- canned green beans because I hate fresh green beans. Like, you put those things in your mouth, and I don't know what that is that you bite on, but it, like, squeaks on your teeth, and that gives me the heebie-jeebies, like, I go, like that when I eat fresh green beans. So I'm like, give me the canned ones, give me those little tubes of salty mush, and I'm good. I, I like those. Um, don't give me the fresh ones. And so, anyways, I get the chance to clean out the pantry and the fridge, and all of a sudden, I just feel good, right? I feel like things are in order. I can now see the back of the refrigerator. I like it organized. And don't get me wrong, this is not something I do regularly. It like happens twice a year. You know, it's like, ah, oh, I just got to do it. Why do we do this? Why do we clean things out? Why do we arrange our closets by brand and color? Does anybody else do that? Brand and color? I do. Um, why do I do that? I think it's because deep down inside, Our souls love it when things are in order, when things are put to right. I I think we crave this because we live in a world where so much of the focus is on things that are out of order, things that are not okay, things that are not right. Anybody else sick of watching the news? Everybody, yeah, I, I don't like watching the news. I stopped watching it a long time ago, and I switched to Twitter, and... Twitter's really, really like worse than the news because you're getting the news and then everybody fights afterwards. Like the comment section on Twitter is like the pit of despair. It's just terrible. 
And people, people are not nice. They're not kind to each other. Anyways, the news is depressing. Twitter's depressing. I took it off my phone last week. I'll pretty, probably put it back on this week. I don't know. But we are in a world where we get weary of all the negativity. And honestly, it does have an impact upon our souls that we don't always quantify. We don't always realize how, how hard this is on our souls. Um, we live in a world where the, the effect of toxic stress and pain and sin and struggle are constantly in front of us, and it gets old and it gets tired. And this morning, we want to, you know, we're continuing in our Simplify series, and we want to talk about simplifying and simplifying what's going on inside of us, inside of this thing that we call the soul. And so this morning, if you're taking notes, um, there's this central idea and that I, that I want to bring up. And this is the idea that we're going to work through, and we're going to work through a passage where this is the main focus, and that is a healthy soul is the result of God's ongoing work within me. A healthy soul is the result of God's ongoing work within me. And if that's not clear right now, it will hopefully become clear by the end of the message. The first question we need to tackle, though, is what is the soul? Because I think there's you know, we, we have a general idea when people talk about soul. You know, maybe you, you really like music with rhythm, rhythm, you know, I don't know. But, but, you know, we need to clear this up. Where does this idea of the soul come from, especially the biblical definition of the soul? And so we're going to look at first uh, in the beginning of the Old Testament when, when God creates human beings, he creates them with a physical body, and he creates them with a soul. And so we read this in Genesis chapter 2, verse 7. Then the Lord God formed a man from the dust of the ground, and he breathed into his nostrils the breath of life. And the man became a living being. So that phrase, the breath of life, is the Hebrew, the ancient Hebrew word for the soul. It's like this immaterial non-seen, the, the invisible part of us that makes us essentially human. God breathes in the breath of life to us. Now, the New Testament kind of builds on this idea, and of course, the New Testament is influenced by a different group of people. So the New Testament is written, by, is written in the language of the Greeks. So it's in Greek, and you've got a whole different culture there. But the, the Greek idea... Uh, the, and the Greek word for the soul is the word suke. And this word is where we get the word today. We get psychology or psychic from this word. And so this is inner um, part of our, of our being. And so there's really three main parts to the human soul. Uh, and, and we understand it this way. It's our thoughts, our emotions, and our behaviors. And so to have a soul is to think and to feel and to act. And we all have souls. We all have unique ones to us. Our souls are kind of like our fingerprints. Nobody has the same soul. We all have different personalities and different ways in which we express our soul and what's going on inside of us. As I'm settling in here at Lifestone um, and, and being a part of a leadership team, one of my favorite things that we talk about at leadership meetings is we talk about our personalities. And if you don't know what your personality is, that's okay. There's people who are like, don't, I don't want to take that test. I don't want to know anything about that. And there's others of us who are like, yeah, I really want to get to know me. 
because I like me. No, um, uh, we want to get to know us better because we're like, okay, what makes me tick? What motivates me? What, you know, what, what's going on inside of me? And so if you want to do this, you're welcome to this. 16personalities.com is a great way for you to check out your personality. But one of the things that we do as a leadership team is we kind of get to know how everybody else is wired up, how we're wired up, and how we interact. And one of the beautiful things about being a part of a team is that we get to interact with each other in ways where we value and love each other for not only our similarities, but our differences. As a great teams value the differences, that we're not all going to think the same. We're not all going to feel the same. We're not always going to act the same, and that's good. And we need to value those things as we come under our purpose in, in living out the love and the grace of Jesus Christ as a team. And we hope that flows into who we are as a church, that we value and love each other for our distinctives and our diversity. And so we, uh, I think it's one of the coolest things about the human soul. And when we do this, when we love each other and we value each other, our souls really like that. It's healthy because our souls were created for community. Our souls were created for relationships. God gave us souls for this purpose. We were made to express and receive the love of God and then to show love back to him. We were created to express and receive love from one another. Our souls were made to live with each other, with God, in perfect harmony. And we were made to experience life and life to the full. But that's not our reality, is it? We live in a world that's broken. And with brokenness, there is an impact upon our soul. And uh, we live in a world where the broken things around us, we contribute to the brokenness. We have broken relationships, and these all have a negative impact upon us. Our thoughts, our emotions can be destructive, and we very very quickly find that our souls can get scarred and wounded. And this morning, this is a theme that, 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 that God unpacks throughout the Bible. King David says this in Psalm 42. He says, Why, my soul, are you downcast? Why are you so disturbed within me? You know, this is an interesting phrase here because the psalm is like a prayer, but this isn't really a question that he's asking God. It's a question he's asking himself. He's like, what's, what's going on? He's having an internal dialogue. What's going on here? Why am I feeling this way? Why are things so heavy? Why can't I seem to be just okay? Because I'm not okay right now. I'm disturbed. I'm downcast. There are so many things that can clutter our souls. And the things in this life that compete for our attention and weigh on our souls, they're endless. The things that are heavy are endless. Stress, pressure, busyness of life, the insecurities that starts with this inner dialogue that's negative where we're not really loving who we are or not sure about ourselves. We're not confident. We've got unmet expectations. There's people that place high expectations on us. Maybe we place high expectations on ourselves. These things create havoc in our soul. 
We have bad habits, and we know we should overcome them. We may have sin in our lives that we feel really guilty and ashamed about. We've got stuff from our past. Maybe we've been hurt by someone, and, and it's never been dealt with. There's so many ways in which we are fall short and we don't measure up. And all these things can have a devastating impact upon this thing we call the soul. So maybe if you're here this morning, you can relate to David. Maybe you can relate to this internal dialogue of being downcast or disturbed. And if that's you this morning, I want you to know that you're not alone. I want you to know that that um, if you came here for hope and encouragement, that I believe that in Jesus you can find that. And I believe that in this community you can find that. And I want you to listen to some of the things that, that are going to be said in this message and some of the verses, and I really want you to soak that in because I want you to leave here with hope and encouragement. I want you to come to realize that that God loves you and that he wants to bring healing to your soul. Now this idea of the soul and all all of the things that that are destructive is pretty complex. And there's there's not enough time, you know, in one in one talk to to kind of get it all figured out. And so I'm not going to go into all the complex details of it all, but I do want to outline what God is trying to get us to see about how he heals our souls. And so to look at that further, we're going to look at 1 Thessalonians chapter 5. And uh, this passage is written by the Apostle Paul. And he's writing a letter to a church in a city called Thessalonica. And this is kind of his, it's his first letter to the city. And he, he's sending out kind of this, this message of blessing. This is the end of the letter. I want to bless you with this information. I want, I want you to realize how much God loves you and how much God is for you. And so this is how he ends, ends the, uh, the letter. And so let's read this together. 1 Thessalonians 5, 23 and 24. He says, May God himself, the God of peace, sanctify you through and through. May your whole spirit, soul and body be kept blameless at the coming of our Lord Jesus Christ. The one who calls you is faithful and he will do it. See, I believe the central idea that's communicated in these two verses is that a healthy soul is the result of God's ongoing work within me. God is at work within me and we're going to talk about that. And, I, and he's at work in my spirit and in my soul to do something. And we're going to dive into that right now. So the first part he says is that may God himself, may God himself. The more we wake up to the reality that God, the God of the universe, is not just someone out there. He's not just transcendent, far away and big, but he's personal and relational down here. And the word we use for that is he's, he's imminent. He is with us. 
And the more that our soul wakes up to the reality that we, that he is near, the more we understand that we are completely loved by God. That God really, really not only wants to spend time with you, but he loves to spend time with you. He likes to spend time with you. He is near. He is close. And he cares about the big stuff. He cares about the little stuff. And it's hard for us to remember this because God is invisible. And so things that are invisible take special time and attention to, to, to wrestle with and to understand. But just because, it's in, because God's invisible doesn't mean it's any less true. I can't see anybody's soul in here, but we know that we have them. God wants us to realize that he is close, he is near, and he cares. What's cool is that he says, God himself, not some random angel in heaven. He's not, he's not sending, you know, Clarence from <laughs> It's a Wonderful Life. Have you ever seen that movie? He's not sending Clarence to hang out with you. He's not like, oh, I don't have time. You know, I'm a little too big, run, you know, too busy running the universe to, to spend time with you. No, he, he's not sending someone else. He's not delegating. He's saying God himself is here. He's near. And he's at work in your life. And the more that we awake to this idea, the more our soul gets free. This brings freedom to our souls because our souls were designed for this. God designed Adam and Eve's soul in the garden to spend time with God, to walk with him in relationship. And the more we realize that he's close and he's near, he's relational, the more our souls become alive. They become uncluttered and they become healthy. He goes on to say, not only is God himself, but he says, the God of peace. The God of peace. Peace is an incredibly healing thing for the soul. You know, oftentimes we think of peace as the absence of conflict, and and that's good for the soul. You know, arguing and fighting and being in conflict all the time is not good for our souls. It wreaks havoc. But the biblical idea communicates something far greater than that. To be at peace with someone means that you truly enjoy being in the presence of that person. So you may not be in conflict with someone, but you may not like being in the same room with them, right? We've all had that experience, right? And, and, and if you're a person of peace, when you walk into a room, everybody in that room, their blood pressure goes down and they relax, But if you're not a person of peace and you walk into a room, everybody's blood pressure goes up and there's tension. And God is trying to get us to see, look, he made peace with us through Jesus Christ upon the cross that he is the God of peace and he extends peace to us. We are at peace with God for those of us who know Jesus. And so you can relax and experience joy in his presence. When we go into God's presence and we spend time with him, he invites us to give us our, give him our anxieties. He, in, he invites us to give, us, give, give him our fears and our cares. He promises to fill our souls 
with a peace that is beyond this world. Philippians chapter 4 says this. It says, don't be anxious about anything. But in every situation, by prayer and petition with thanksgiving, present your request to God. Why? Because he cares. He wants your soul to be at peace. And it says this, And the peace of God, which transcends all of your understanding, will guard your hearts and minds in Christ Jesus. Now, why would, he, why would his peace transcend your understanding? The reason is because when you go to God with all your cares and all your anxieties and all your fears and you spend time with him, he will take them away. And you'll go, how did that happen? I don't understand. It transcends your understanding. And God's inviting us to come to him with that relationally over and over and over again. In the second part of this verse, it says, he will guard your hearts and minds in Christ Jesus. Well, your mind is where you think, your heart is where you feel, and the two of them, you decide to take action. This is the soul. So this is another reference to our souls, our hearts, and our minds with Jesus, the guardian of peace. God is saying, I want to bring healing to your soul. The Jewish word for peace is the word shalom. To walk in shalom is to walk with this all-consuming peace of God. Shalom impacts everything around us. It's our friendships, our jobs, our crops, our animals, our family, marriage, your health, your finances. The word shalom means completeness and wholeness. And this is exactly what the Apostle Paul is referring to. Listen to this next verse. He says, May the God of peace sanctify you through and through. Hey, you need to go through there. And once you've gotten through there, go through it again. Through and through. It's like, don't, it's ongoing. The whole thing. And he says that again. May your whole body, soul, and spirit, not part of it, not this little piece of it. I want the whole part of you. I want it to be kept blameless at the coming of the Lord Jesus Christ. God wants all of us and he wants us to be sanctified and blameless and when we realized there's nothing better than being set free from sin sin is toxic to our souls and to be sanctified is to be set apart to be blameless is to have a clear conscience before god doesn't a clear conscience feel wonderful you know when you've asked someone for forgiveness And all of a sudden your conscience is clear. Doesn't that feel so good? Like the weight of the world is off of you. We need this in our lives. And God wants to sanctify us. And he wants us to live blamelessly. And there's three ideas within the New Testament that I want to talk about briefly when it comes to salvation, the salvation of our souls. God is constantly at work. And I want to talk about the first one. Because this is the idea, uh, we call it justification. It means that God declares us not guilty for our sins and he declares us righteous in his eyes. Because Jesus took our place and took the penalty of sin and death on the cross, it means that God can now declare us okay. 
you're good with God. And when we talk about, hey, have you gotten saved? Have you, do you believe in Jesus Christ as your Lord and Savior? We're mostly talking about this, justification, okay? And so I'm trying to take a theological word that's used in the Bible and trying to boil it down and make it really simple. And then the next one, well, actually the next one is what we're talking about in this passage, and I'm going to save that for last. But then there's, there's another idea, third idea of what it means to be saved, of God's work of salvation in us, and that's the word glorification. And this means that someday in the future, when the time is right, God is going to save our mortal bodies, okay? All the things that are going wrong with me physically, my knee hurts, my eyes are terrible, my ear is terrible, all of these things at some point are going to be wiped away. I'm going to get a new body. And we know this is true because Jesus got a new body. Jesus got a new body when he rose again from the dead. He had a glorified body. And these new bodies that we will get in the resurrection in the future are going to be the kind of bodies that can stand in the presence of God in his glory and not be consumed. There's going to be no pain. There's going to be no suffering. There's going to be no death, no disease. Man, I am looking forward to the day when God does his final work of salvation called glorification. That is the hope that we have in Jesus Christ. So that's the third part in which God is saving us. Justification, glorification. Now we're going to talk about sanctification. This is what this passage is talking about. And I I don't know, I want to go into this just because I want you to understand what's going on in this passage. So this second idea is the work that God is doing right now for anybody who has put their trust and faith in Jesus Christ. God is working on you day in and day out. And for the rest of your life, he's got a goal. And it's to conform you more and more into the image of his son. To make us look more and more like Jesus. Not some cookie cutter way in the uniqueness of the personality that he's given us. He is, he is challenging us and he's growing us and he's working behind the scenes to make us more and more like Jesus. To make us more the kind of people who love like Jesus loves. Who live sacrificially who give generously, who live with kindness, who love truth and righteousness. He's changing us from the inside out so that we look and act in our thoughts, in our emotions, and in our actions like Jesus. He is transforming our hearts and our souls. He wants us to think differently. He wants us to feel differently. And he wants to live out the way Jesus lives. I hope that you're sensing from this passage what, what God is trying to open up our eyes to. God is claiming all of us. And not just like, not all, as in collectively. He's claiming every part of you. Every piece. Every nook and cranny. This morning, I didn't have breakfast, and someone had bought McDonald's sandwiches, breakfast sandwiches, which are like the greatest things on earth, right? I mean, we can all agree. So I, I don't typically eat this, but I had an English muffin. I usually go for the biscuit. I'm a biscuit guy. But I went for the English muffin. That's all there was left. Um, and I opened up the top of the English muffin, and um, I, I put that aside because... 
I don't like, carbs like me too much, so I have to stay away from them. And so I put that aside and eat the rest of the sandwich. Well, I'm looking at the English muffin, and there's like all these nooks and crannies. Okay, some of you are old enough to remember Thomas English muffins commercials in like the 80s where they would melt the butter into the nook and cranny, and it would like saturate the English muffin, which is like the only way to eat an English muffin because they're terrible without butter. So every single nook and cranny totally saturated in butter, okay? God wants every single nook and cranny of your life. He wants you through and through your whole spirit, your soul, your body sanctified. Let's look at the last part of this this passage here. And I think this is really important. It says, the one who calls you is faithful. And he will do it. Man, it is so refreshing. Because what what it tells us is that God's the one sending you the text message. God's the one who keeps calling you to, to say, hey, I'm here, I am present, I am close, I am near. He is inviting you into relationship. We're the ones who ignore him. We're the ones who resist him. And so this passage right here, the one who calls you, not only is he calling you, you ever had that friend who's like, who invites you to do something and then they don't show up, you know? Yeah. Have you had that before? It's really frustrating, right? Guess what? When God texts you, it says he's faithful. He's going to show up. He's already there. He is doing the work that he's promised to do. God is faithful. And that's super reassuring because I'm not. I'm not faithful. I don't, I don't always say, uh, do what I say I'm going to do. I screw up. And if you're anything like me, you probably feel the same way. And with God, I don't always show up when I think I should or when I, when I know I should. God is the one who is faithful, and he is at work in me. And he says that he will be faithful to complete the work that he started in me. So through justification and sanctification and glorification, God is constantly at work saving us. And he's, he's faithful in every part of it. I think that's awesome that my salvation depends upon God and not me. God will always do what he's promised to do. And we can choose to ignore him and we can walk in our own ways. God will not force us to do anything. But Jesus promises that if we do walk with him, if we follow him and don't resist the work that he's doing in us, then he will give us rest and he'll give us healing, and he'll give us freedom in our souls. So let's not resist him. Let's answer the one who's calling us, because he says, come. Come to me. Pastor Ben spoke on this a few weeks back, but I want to reiterate it, because it's such an amazing passage, and it, and it deals specifically with our souls. And I want to read it in the, the message version, because there's some beautiful themes that, that flow out of this that are really, really descriptive. Matthew eleven twenty eight through 30 says, Are you tired? 
Are you worn out? Are you burned out on religion? Did you guys see the sign coming in? Jesus without religion. You burned out on religion? Come to me and get away, and you'll recover your life. I'll show you how to take a real rest. He says, walk with me and work with me and watch how I do it. Learn the unforced rhythms of grace. Find a rhythm in your soul that is saturated in the grace of Jesus. He said, I won't lay anything heavy or ill-fitting on you. Keep company with me and you'll learn to live freely and lightly. Man, that sounds so good to the soul. A central idea that we've been talking about is a healthy soul is the result of God's ongoing work with me. Work within me. And he's inviting me into it. 